I'm Stefan Siddig, and welcome to American Theatre Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theatre. If you've been enjoying the American Theatre Artists Online podcast, I urge you to consider donating to help the artists who produce the theatre that we all love so much. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, many performers, designers, directors, choreographers, stage crew, and theatre administration staff are either without a job or in peril of losing their jobs. The Actors Fund provides assistance to artists to cover basic living expenses such as food, essential medications, utilities, and more. If you love and enjoy theater, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. My guest today is Michael Rupert, a Tony Award-winning actor, writer, and director. His Broadway credits include On the Town, Legally Blonde, The Musical, Ragtime, Falsettos, City of Angels, Mail, Sweet Charity, Shakespeare's Cabaret, Pippin, and The Happy Time. Off-Broadway and regionally, he's been seen in Putting It Together, Dangerous Beauty, Elegies, A New Brain, Falsettos, and The Merchant of Venice. As a writer-composer, he's written Mail and Three Guys Naked from the Waist Down. He has also directed productions of Ragtime, Sweet Charity, Sunday in the Park with George, The Crucible, Spring Awakening, Parade, and Off-Broadway's Thrill Me, for which he received a Drama Desk nomination. Hi, Michael. Hey, Stefan, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you for being on American Theatre Artists Online. Absolutely. We're very happy to have you here. We, we love having uh, people who we consider leading contemporary figures in American theater. And when I was looking at... <laughs> right, when, I, I love it. I love, love it. it. Yeah, well, we were looking uh, over your resume. Um, you've, you've done a lot, and uh, you really have been a part of some really um, seminal moments in American musical theater, and some more recent and some a little bit further in the past. So what a fascinating uh, career you've had. Well, uh, yeah, well, I've been around, you know, uh, I've, been, I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, I did do it for a long time. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, it's, I was very fortunate to be a part of some, a few interesting projects along the way. Yes, and I hope to, to jump in to talk about those in just a second. But before we even dive into, you know, what we're here for, which is to hear you talk about your career and theater, um, tell us a little bit about how you're holding up during this, you know, we're on this quarantine due to this global pandemic. It's, it's, a, it's been a tough time for a lot of people. We're on this extended pause. How are you doing? Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm holding up probably as well as anybody is. Uh, most people are, uh, you know, just, just getting, getting through. I, you know, I'm, I'm a little tired of watching television. <laughs> you know? I hear you. Yes. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I, uh, between Amazon Prime and Netflix and right. everything else, you know, I mean, it's, I, it's, it's a little exhausting, but it, it is what it is. And, and uh, fortunately here in New York, uh, we're not doing too badly, quite mm-hmm. honestly, you know, just in terms of people trying to stay safe and, and, uh, but it's, you know, I, I think it's, I, I think it's just been as exhausting for me as it's kind of been for a lot of people. And uh, I just on a selfish note, you know, it's been a little sad not to be able to see theater and and to experience all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but, you know, I'm holding up. Good, good. Yeah. And I think, I think I, of all the people I've talked to, there really have been sort of uh, there's two sides to it. A lot of people are having the side about, you know, really missing being able to see our friends more often and, and socialize and go to the theater and rehearsal and, you know, because that's the social part of us. And then I have a, another group who really, uh, the other side of it is that they're getting a lot of time to themselves to work out, to do yoga, to take better care of their health and their diet uh, in some cases. Uh, so um, it's, it's, it's interesting how different people are reacting differently. Yeah, absolutely. But you know. so let's let's talk a bit about how you got your start. I mean, a lot of people listening in right now, especially the ones who are 
our fans of musical theater know about you. They know about your Tony Award winning work and your other work, uh, you know, and everything that you've done on Broadway, off Broadway, regionally. Um, some of it is, 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 is quite well known to most of us, but a lot of us don't know how you got your start. Like, were you always into theater or did it, was it, how did it come about for you? Well, you know, I started, I, 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 I was I got very interested in theater as a kid, you know, very very early. Uh, I was always, you know, from the time I was a little tiny boy, you know, I could mm-hmm. sing and and I was interested in performing. I was always, you know, always kind of the class clown, and I was very extroverted and and, and just had a ton of personality, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> and uh, but also, you know, because of geography. Uh, because I grew up in Los Angeles, mm. I actually had a chance to start performing professionally early. Um, uh, and I actually started, uh, I grew up near uh, a theater called the Pasadena Playhouse mm-hmm. out in, pa- in Pasadena, California. And I actually uh, would take classes there when I was a kid. And my you know, my parents were totally supportive. They thought, well, this is a good hobby for Michael to have when he's, you know, literally, when I, was, I think I was 12 years old. Wow. And I got cast in a play, actually, wow. uh, in a main stage play. Hmm. And because of that, I actually uh, was seen by an agent who hmm. wanted to handle me as a kid, you know, uh, and my parents thought, well, this is interesting, <laughs> you know, uh, we didn't really expect this, mm-hmm. but um, I actually uh, ended up uh, doing that. I actually had an agent when I was 12 years old. Wow. My, my parents were, again, still okay with it at the time, and um, I actually uh, uh, got my first equity job when I was 12 years old. That's wonderful. And, <laughs> you know, so I really started as a kid in Los Angeles, and Actually, most of the work that I did as a kid uh, was television work. I did lots of TV stuff. Mm. And um, and again, because of geography, you know, rather than growing up in the middle of Idaho or someplace like that where you would maybe do community theater or something, I actually was able to start as a, as a professional actor very early mm-hmm. simply because I was in Los Angeles. Right. And... Um, so I got, you know, a lot of experience as, as, a, as a kid. And then, um, you know, when I was 15, I actually auditioned for a Broadway musical. Is this, and is this, are we, is this The Happy Time? This is a, a, a show called The Happy Time. Ah. It starred Robert Goulet. Yes. And was written by Candor and Ebb. Wonderful. It was their, it was their show right after Camp Beret. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was actually cast in, in as as like the juvenile lead in this show, and of course this totally like freaked my parents out because I was actually going to have to move to New York. Right, the coast, and, the coast trip. So you're 15 years old and you get your first Broadway show. Yeah. Wow. And what was that experience? That must have been for you. I mean, for your parents, it was probably wow. But for you, as a 15 year old, what was that like? Well, you know, it was, it, it, it was, well, to be honest with you, it was just kind of fun. You know, I sure. didn't, uh, it didn't it really dawn on me that, wow, I was suddenly one of the leads in a Broadway show mm-hmm. uh, because I had been, again, working uh, as a kid and it was just already something that was kind of part of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I had already been working professionally for about three, three years mm-hmm. and, um, it wasn't until I actually was, you know, we actually rehearsed in Los Angeles and we opened the show in LA before coming to New York. And, um, it really wasn't until, um, I actually think while I was packing to actually move to New York for, uh, for the Broadway run that I thought like, wow, this is like a bigger life experience than maybe I thought it was going to be. Um, and of course my parents were totally like, wait a minute, what's going on here? (laughs) Did they, did they let you go by yourself to New York with a chaperone or to go with them? No, I, I went with my mom Mm -hmm. and, uh, so my dad and my sister 
my dad, of course, had, had a job in L.A., and mm-hmm. my sister was, my younger sister was there. So my dad and my sister stayed in Los Angeles, wow. and I moved to New York with my mother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we had to, you know, we had to find an apartment to live in, mm-hmm. and, and just the, the whole thing. It was like really a, a big kind of life change for, for, my, for my family. Right. And, yeah. But yet at the time... Because I was 15 years old, you know, 15 going on 16, I was just like, to me, it was just, I was having a great time. This right. is very cool. Right. I'm in a Broadway show and I'm going to have fun. And I, I get to work with Robert Goulet, who was a very big star at the time. Yeah. And, and, um, uh, work with Gower Champion, who mm. was a, you know, a, a kind of already kind of a legendary director, choreographer. Absolutely. Um, so, um, so it, it was, it, you know, it was, but again, I mean, I had to, I had to go to, I went to professional children's school mm-hmm. while I was in New York. Yeah. You're still getting uh, an education at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still was, a, I was, you know, just a, a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it was exciting. It was yeah. really exciting. And what was your experience like working with, this is your first musical you get to work with the legendary now, Candor and Ebb. Uh, who are some of you know the favorite composers for a lot of people probably listening to this podcast? What what was that experience like working with them at such a young age? Well, uh, well, it was it it was terrific. I mean, I mean, they were incredibly just sweet, generous guys. You know, I yeah. mean, um, John actually is the one who taught me most of the score, most mm-hmm. of the songs that I had to do in the Happy Time. Mm-hmm. Fred was. You know, Fred was a little crazier than John. John, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've ever met the guys, yeah. you know, and the, sadly, Fred is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, John is just a real kind of down-to-earth guy, and Fred is was really kind of out there. <laughs> but a lot of a lot of fun to be around. Right. Um, but again, I, I didn't have quite enough, you know, I knew they had written Cabaret, but I didn't know the show that well. Sure. I mean, I, I knew the camera was a very, yeah, <laughs> I, and, and also not, I wasn't a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like a New York theater kid sure. steeped in New York theater at the time. I was really more a cook. television actor. Yeah. Um, I had really only done maybe three, three stage shows at the time, mm-hmm. by the time I was cast in The Happy Time. Yeah. So, um it was only kind of later on that I, I really kind of appreciated, mm-hmm. you know, John and Fred for, for who they were. Sure. But they were both really, you know, really kind to me and, and really helpful, mm-hmm. you know. That's great. And so from that, did you, I know that you also were uh, in Pippin uh, yeah. later, uh, a few years later, several years later, I guess. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so between Happy Time and Pippin, was there an opportunity for you to develop a little bit more? You're in New York. Did you stay in New York? Did you go back to West Coast? No, no. I actually, after the Happy Time closed, the Happy Time ran, it didn't have a long run. It ran for about 10 months. Mm-hmm. And uh, But at the end of that, I went back to L.A., mm-hmm. uh, you know, because that's really where I lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my... Yeah, my dad and my sister were still there, obviously, um, sure. and I, I I really just finished high school. You know, mm-hmm. I had I had my senior year of high school to to do, oh, nice. and then I just um, and you know when I finished doing the Happy Time, I I kind of knew that I wanted to come back to Broadway again because mm-hmm. uh, I really had had a great time doing the show, but I didn't really want after high school. Uh, of course, I also had this kind of uh, discussion with my parents about, do I go to college? Do I not go to college? Mm. Am I, you know, am I going to continue to work in Los Angeles? What am I going to do? You know, yeah, sure. I, I actually ended up op- opting out of college. Mm. I never, I never went to college. Yeah. I, I, I finished high school and then I just continued working in L.A., I decided, you know, I want to get back to Broadway, but I don't really want, I, I don't really want to go back to New York without a job. Mm-hmm. I thought, like, wouldn't it be great if, like, with the happy time, I could get 
another part in a Broadway show, <laughs> but from Los Angeles somehow. Sure. Even if I even if I had to fly to New York to audition for something, right? You know, I didn't necessarily want to go there and have a survival job sure. and you know deal with all of that. Right. Mainly also because I was in Los Angeles, and as soon as I got out of high school, I was working all the time. Which is good. Yeah. I mean, I was I was doing. You know, I went back into the TV world and I was doing a lot of TV work. And um, and I also at the time was taking classes with, uh, I, I t- was taking an acting class with Gordon Hunt, mm. who had uh, who had been the casting director at the Mark Taper Forum in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And... Um, uh, and and I had done I'd done a couple of things at the plays at the Mark Taper Forum, uh, which Gordon had cast me in, and uh, and then Gordon also Gordon also knew that I wanted to be uh, that I wanted to go back to Broadway. Mm-hmm. So uh, Gordon uh, one one night after class uh, said to me, "I think I have I may have your ticket back to Broadway." Uh-huh. He said, um, Stu Oster, the producer of Pippin, is going to be in Los Angeles next week, and, and they're looking for a replacement for John Rubenstein, who mm-hmm. originated the role of Pippin. Mm-hmm. And so why don't you prepare your stuff and come down and audition for him? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is, like, great. This is perfect, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so anyway, so that's exactly what happened. So- I, auditioned, I, I auditioned for Stu Ostro. Uh, to replace John as Pippin, and he uh, and I flew back to New York with him the following day mm. to audition for Bob Fosse. Yeah, that's where that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Is you could imagine. Yeah. So you you not just one but two shows at least with Bob Fosse that I know of that you worked on. So uh, first uh, very so early on, and then a little bit later, which you know we'll talk about that one later. But so tell me more about Pippin and how what was how much were you involved with Fosse during Pippin? Um, well, Bob, I, I, I actually worked with Bob a lot. I mean, he, he actually put me in the show. Wow. Um, and um, a lot of times when you're a replacement in a show, uh, the director doesn't, uh, many times, won't even come in until maybe two or three days before you actually start performances. Right. Yeah, that's why. You know, usually the stage manager, the PSM, will put you in, in into the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but Bob was really there. for. I, I had about... Two, two weeks rehearsal mm. and Bob was there for most of it. Wow. So he, he really had a lot of input uh, in, in putting me in the show and uh, I think mainly because it seemed like he really wanted me to make it my own. He mm-hmm. didn't want me I hadn't even seen the show when he cast me. You wow. know, mm-hmm. he, when, he, when he actually cast me in the show that, that afternoon when I went when I auditioned for him in New York he said, well, you better see the show tonight because, <laughs> you know, you're going to be playing the part. Yeah. And I did, you know, wow. so I spent a couple of weeks watching the show and working with Bob and following John around backstage mm-hmm. um, uh, as well. Uh, but Bob had a lot, you know, Bob did, a, he worked with, me a, worked with me a lot. Yeah. Great. And so you got to do, because, you know, Pippin is mostly a acting singing role, but he, he has to dance too. And there's that, uh, on the right track number, right? Um, yeah, so yeah. You you had to work work your dancing chops too on that one. Well, fortunately, <laughs> Pippin doesn't have to be a good dancer. No, that's the, it's an acting. But I mean, still, you yeah. gotta dance. You gotta dance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because so I, I I've, I've never been a dancer. Sure. You know, uh, but you know, Bob said, well, you know, if it looks a little klutzy, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't really matter because. You know, Pippin is not, you know, the actor who plays the role of Pippin in the story uh, isn't really a dancer, doesn't need to be a great dancer. Correct. You know, you right. just you just need to look like you're having a great time and ha- you have a lot of exuberance doing right. it, and you know. Is, so I said, well, I, I can do that, you right. know. So, yeah, just as long as you're on the right track, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> great. Well, I mean, that must have been quite an amazing experience to get to work with Bob Fosse right during really the apogee of his 
I mean, work. I mean, 1972, 73 was a really good year for Bob Fosse, 73. Oh, yeah. Uh, where I he mean, won you... Best Director for Pippin, Best Director for Eliza with a Z on TV, right? And Best Director yeah. for Cabaret, the movie Beating Out uh, Francis Ford Yeah, Pippen. I mean, he was really, you know, he was really at the top of his game at that yeah. moment. That you know? And uh, yeah. And he was great to work with. Uh, absolutely. I, lo- I really loved working with Bob. Well, that's, I, you know, as someone who started my life uh, fascinated with Bob Fosse, and it's the reason I do theater, um, I was very, very um, excited to, to see that you had worked with him, not just once, but twice. Yeah. So let's talk about the second time you worked with him, which I know is a little bit later, but let's, let's dive right in. Um, Sweet Charity, the revival, right, in 1986. Once again, you and Bob Fosse. Uh, this time you're playing another lead, the other male lead, uh, Oscar. It's a very different role from Pippin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, very different. Uh, yeah, Bob. You know, Bob was going to do this revival of Sweet Charity, and um, he, um, you know, he asked me to play Oscar, wow. and um, and it was uh, again. You know, we had a great time doing it. I mean, he was. Uh, I was really. You know, I was a little concerned about. You know, when I told him this, I, I said the one thing that that after reading the script, you know, uh, and I had never seen Sweet Charity. I didn't know the show that well. But after reading the script, I was a little freaked out about the elevator scene mm-hmm. yeah. where we first where we first meet Oscar, mm-hmm. because Neil Simon had written a real broad comedy, Neil Simon you know, kind of scene where Oscar freaks out and gets claustrophobia in the elevator. And I said to Bob, you know, I really have never done any comedy like this, where it's really, it truly is about that Neil Simon timing, you know. And Bob said, you know, it's it's okay. Uh, you know, I, he said, I'm, I'm just going to, I'll take you through it. Mm. And... Um, and just beat by beat, and we'll we'll sketch it out. And you're going to be fine. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh wow! And uh, <laughs> and he did exactly that. He gave me a lot of confidence about playing that kind of comedy, which I'd never done before. And I got to tell you, the first you know, I the first time I got in front of an audience in Los Angeles where we previewed, and there was like 2,400 people sitting in the theater, and I was getting laughs like I had never heard before in a theater mm. quite honestly wow. I was getting laughs when Oscar just freaks out in the elevator I thought like oh my god this is like really fun <laughs> it feels good right when it happens yeah yes. yeah and and I keep thinking you know Bob really was right he kept saying just you know do this t- you know I'm going to give you the timing for this stuff and and you're going to do this. And I, he said, you're going to get reaction. Like you're going to be really happy. with." Well, know? I mean, and, his, his years of years of experience in vaudeville and burlesque, I'm sure he knew comic timing, uh, more yeah, than he would let on. <laughs> yeah. He really, he, I got, he really knew his stuff. I got, yeah. you know, it wow. was, it was like really working with, with somebody who really knew what they were doing. And, and, you know, he once said to me years ago, you know, uh, even when I was doing Pippin, he said, you know, he said that there's part of you that's a really a cheap entertainer, just like me. <laughs> I like, he said, I like cheap entertainers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good compliment and, from him. <laughs> yeah, it was a great compliment. <laughs> and and so your leading lady for that uh, revival of Sweet Charity was Debbie Allen, correct? Yeah, wow. yeah, absolutely. That must have been an amazing experience too for those listening in and know Debbie Allen from fame and from all the work that she's done uh, since then, but um, so what? That was really considered, you know, a really um, groundbreaking revival in many ways at the time. I think it was exciting. It was urban. It was more. It was more of a sweet charity that was like, you know, more for the times. You know, it was brought into the '80s. I think was sort of some of the feeling that that, that I had heard at the time. And obviously, your work with Bob paid off, you won a Tony Award for Best Performance by a Featured Actor in a Musical for playing Oscar in that revival. Congratulations. Yes, absolutely. That must have felt... What was Tony Night like? That must have been amazing. Well, it was... It was uh, Tony, Tony Night was uh, obviously incredible, incredibly exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. I, to be honest with you, I really didn't think I was going to win mm-hmm. uh, that year. Uh, 
there were some other actors uh, that were do- doing that I, that I was up against that were doing great work that year. Uh, mainly Howard McGillen, mm. who was in the Mystery of Edwin Drood, yes. uh, because also his role was much bigger than mine. <laughs> Oscar Oscar doesn't even come in to the show right. until about until about s- seven minutes before the end of the act first one. act. Yes, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I thought, like, well, you know, Howard's probably going to get this one. You know, I thought he's going to take it, and 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 so I really went to the Tonys with no acceptance speech written, no, <laughs> you know, just thinking, okay, well, I'm I'm just going. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, it was. It was my second nomination. Yes. I've been nominated years before for the Happy Time, mm-hmm. and I remember it. Ha- you know, then I'd had a great time at the Tonys, so I thought, well, I'll just have another good time, and um, and that'll be it. You know, and then when I did win, I was really, I actually really was kind of shocked, uh, but it was uh, a wonderful thing to wow. be honored by your peers, and and uh, and I had a ball. You know, um, and uh, you know, and I, 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 I've told the story a few times before, though, because it still kind of cracks me up. But I, I actually ran into Bob Fosse backstage that night um, after winning the Tony, and I was, of course, very happy. And and he's, you know, basically said to me, "I just, you know, I, I'm glad you're happy, but I want you to keep this in perspective." Because, you know, tomorrow you're going to be last year's Tony winner. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, his point, his point was, yeah. his point really was, he didn't, he keep, wasn't saying it in a mean keep, way. Keep his working. point was, right. enjoy tonight. Yeah, but keep, keep This working. is not necessarily going to change your life. Yeah. But, you know, other than when they write about you, they'll always call you the Tony Award winning actor. Right. But enjoy the evening and know that tomorrow you still have to do your work. What a great way to look at it, I think. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. don't get too, don't get your head too big. Keep stay humble. Well, he just, yeah, working. he had he he'd known me for some years already, and he, oh. he just didn't want me to get cocky yeah, and, and think was, like, oh, now I'm a big star or something. I guess. Well, and it's something that like a father figure or someone who's fatherly towards you feels that way might say to you. You know, so that's a nice, nice feeling too. Um, and of course, um, you have the, the, the distinction, I and mean, it's not a great distinction, but um, as those who follow the life and career of Bob Fosse know, he passed away um, uh, uh, during Sweet Charity, right, in D.C. Um, uh, yeah, he did, that. sadly, yeah. uh, you know, when they were doing, okay. yeah, in D.C., you're right. The tour, right? I think, I, I don't yeah. have all my facts exactly right, but I think it was in 87 um, uh, and there are all these rumors about how it happened. Was he in front of the National Theater in D.C. or was he at the Willard Hotel uh, and Gwen was with him? But, um, you know, so you were with him sort of at his prime in 72, 73, and then again towards the end of his career. And it's so great that you were able to have that that arc of time with him. Absolutely. And I'm you sure know, you I'm, re- I'm, I'm really glad. It's really great. I'm so glad that I, I had been able to meet him and to work with him um and um and of course it was very you know we were we were all saddened by uh you know uh his his passing uh at such a at such a young age um because because you know you just felt you know uh you just felt that there was obviously so much more that he was going to be able to give to theater Absolutely. Well, you yeah. Know, so clearly, your work with with Bob Fosse is is a part of a big part of what you you've done. But you know, you've done a lot of other stuff on Broadway too and elsewhere. One of the things that I'm really fascinated about, and I wanted to ask you because I'm so curious, is can you talk a bit about your collaboration with the composer William Finn? Because you've now worked on several of his shows, right? So um, particularly the work that you did with. Um, the whole falsetto, what's now known as Falsettos Project, right? Yes, the yeah. The Falsettos, Falsetto Land. Uh, for those who don't know, the musical that is now sort of a two-act musical, one musical, but it used to be two separate shows. What was this? Yes. How did that all work out? How was your? How did you get involved with that beautiful production? Production. Oh well, we first did. We first did the, what, what is now the first act of Falsettos. Uh, uh, we first did a show called March of the Falsettos, mm-hmm. which was done off Broadway 
this was before I did Sweet Charity. Um, and um, I really just got involved with that because, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, my agent said they're doing this very bizarre, crazy little show at Playwrights Horizons in New York. And um, you want to you want to go in on it? And I said, sure. You know, uh, I didn't know anything about it. Absolutely nothing about it. And um, so I really just, you know, I just went into, um, you know, I just went into audition uh, for James Lapine, actually, the director. The director, yes. Uh, and um, and uh, he really, I just, you know, he told me, he kind of explained to me what the show was going to be. And, and I thought it sounded kind of fascinating, but very odd in mm -hmm. a way. Mm -hmm. uh, in some ways. Uh, and then he said, well, I want you to, you know, can you audition for Bill Finn tomorrow? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, mm -hmm. so I did. And, um, and they, you know, Bill and James cast me as Marvin in March mm -hmm. of the Falsettos. Mm -hmm. um, it was an interesting experience because again, we didn't know what the show was going to be at first. It seemed like a very odd, you know, it was obviously, a, a, you know, it, it was subject matter that had not been done in a musical before, certainly. And um, it just, you know, and, and Bill Finn's musical and lyrical vocabulary was kind of unlike anything I'd ever heard before. I mean, it was really kind of fascinating and interesting, but I didn't really know, I had no idea if this was going to work. You know, I even said to to Lapine at one point in rehearsal, I said, "Is it? Is this any good? <laughs> I mean, are we? Is is this going to? What What are we doing here, Jim?" And it's a good question he, to ask when you're working on a, a new musical. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And and Jim, you know, to his credit, you know, Jim kept saying to me, "I think, you know, I think there's really something here. I think there's there's something special about this. So let's just keep working, and mm -hmm. we'll see." You know, and the subject matter of falsettos, which I yeah. think at the time, you know, was groundbreaking. I mean, I was in college when it came out and I it, it meant the world to me. And I think it probably meant a lot to most of us who are LGBTQ plus in the theater world at that time. Uh, it was groundbreaking. Yeah. The, the, were you you may have been uh, the the first after Lacage of fall. Uh, the first time that we saw a relationship between two men on stage um, that was open and frank, and you, you may have been the first, were you the first kiss on Broadway between two men? Um, no. No, I don't, you <laughs> know something, matters. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know. But it, I really it was groundbreaking. Maybe in, a, maybe in a musical. In a musical, <laughs> that's what I meant. Sorry, in a musical. And the reason I say yeah. that is it, not, it doesn't matter to count the beans or to say when and what happened where. It's more yeah. about how to show how groundbreaking this was at the time. Well, but also the thing about the thing about falsettos, the whole falsettos show, which also then included a few years later Falsetto Land mm -hmm. as the second part, yep. is, and this is again something that Lapine kept stressing, is... You know, I, this, this is a this is a story about family. Yes, and and a family that just happens to include some gay people. Okay, yeah. no, <laughs> just sure. just like it included Jews. Yeah. It had a lot to yes. do with you know four yeah. Jews in a room bitching. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he so he kept you know he kept saying to me and Stephen Bogardus, who who played Wizard. Um, you know, he said, um, this is, you know, this is a relationship that it could be a straight relationship. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a, you know, it's just cause it's a gay relationship right. because these two guys are still loving and fighting and arguing and they're, they're still doing everything that people just do. In yes, a there was there was nothing. You know? It was interesting. You're right. There was nothing really eccentric. I mean, the characters were eccentric in their own way, but there was nothing sort of out of the ordinary with these guys and and you know Trina, the 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 wife as well. I mean, they, these were characters that were were interesting, very interesting, but they weren't you know bizarre or out there or outlandish. They were pretty like run of the mill people when you really can. Well, again, to <laughs> well again, yeah, they weren't like um, they they weren't you know, any kind of what could be described as stereotypical right. 
gay gay men, you right. know, or gay right. you know gay people, right. um, which is you know which unfortunately for, for for our community was you know had been you know on stage before and mm-hmm. and not always in a good way, Correct. you know. Right. Um, again, Bill and and Jim just kept saying these are just. This is about this. This story is about family, mm. you know, yeah. and um, and so that's really how we approached it. And of course, it handles a, a really difficult topic. Beside everything you've just said, which is HIV and AIDS, which at the time yeah. was really uh, people forget, and especially young people now. But at the time, it was a really terrifying. Um, disease and you people died yeah. a lot of people died and so um it told that story too it, within its normalcy of that family and everyday life uh it told that story and so it had this edge to it i mean it's, it's a fascinating well, the thing, yeah well again the thing that was was kind of great about it and was fascinating is again first of all you know falsetto land the second half of falsettos mm-hmm. you know bill bill finn really felt that he had to address yes. the AIDS epidemic in in uh, if he continued the story of Marvin and the and the family, mm-hmm. um, because now it was, you know, March of the Whole Service has been had been in in the early eighties, kind of before the whole AIDS epidemic really took off and, and made made everything so tragic. Mm-hmm. But then later, he had to. Uh, you know, when he wrote Falsetto Land, he had to address this. Um, and the thing that's really interesting about Falsetto Land is it's still, you know, it, it takes place at a time when, when, as Doctor, you know, as 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 Doctor Charlotte says, something bad is happening. Mm, yeah. Something something very bad is happening. Yeah. It took place at a time when we did, you know, the the Marvin family didn't know what was happening to Wizard. Right, that's what um, was and, and and Jason, Marvin's son, who wants to have his bar mitzvah in 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 Wizard's hospital room, you know, he just all he knows is his friend is dying, his friend is leaving, and that's kind of what another reason why the show you know, was so poignant and was so tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was really, to me, it's a marker in musical theater history um, because it yeah. really is a, a shift, especially one of the first shifts we see at that point from, you know, because other than Sondheim, really, there was a lot of a different style going on. And then this show came in and I feel like William Finn gave permission for shows after that show to be quirky to be a little bit off the wall. They didn't have to be so commercial. Um, uh, it was really right. a, a nice, refreshing uh, change. Um, and it's still involved, you know, dancing and singing and acting, but in a way that was so driven by character. Um, oh, absolutely. It was so much absolutely. fun. Um, so that must have been a wonderful experience to be, to be um, a part of that whole project. Well, I even <laughs> thought that you, how fascinating that, that, you know, when, you know, like the actor who plays Jason, the show you know this young young kid how often does a young kid get to play a role with that kind of depth right and that kind and dealing with those kind of things in a musical mm-hmm. yeah. it just it just doesn't happen no. you know and you probably had had an interesting time watching him as a young boy on broadway he was probably a few years younger than you were when you were in the happy time so that yeah, must have, that yeah. must have been a nice uh, full circle moment for you. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, and talk a little bit more about the other uh, William Finn shows that you've worked on. Um, I know um, Elegies and uh, A New Brain, right? Um, yeah. Th- those are both so different and yet still have that William Finn imprimatur. At this point, you've sung a lot of his music. Um what is it about his music? If you had to describe it, I mean, it's hard to do this kind of thing, but if you had to describe it to people who don't know his music yet and should get to know it, um, what is it that you think is unique about it? What is it that, what is its imprimatur for you? Like, what Well, the think? biggest thing is, if, first of all, I just think that, that Bill, you know, uh, I, I, I love just in terms of his, his music, his melodies are, are, 
are at times so quirky, you know, I mean, it's, it, you know, and then other times I think he can write just incredibly beautiful music. Yeah, the I mean, ballad. really, yeah. I mean, a song that comes to mind in, in, in falsetto land is for unlikely lovers. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when we first all sang through that music, we thought, Oh my God, how does he do this? Yeah. It's so moving and so beautiful. And, um, and, but the thing that really has all, you know, having worked on a new brain and, and, and elegies and falsettos with Bill, you know, the thing that really always attracted me were, were, were his words, his lyrics. Yeah. I, Bill has a way of, of many times saying, I think incredibly profound things in the most using the most ordinary language Absolutely. Uh, he can say these things in a way that you think like oh this is just how people talk or it's how quirky people talk but then all of a sudden you go like oh my god this is like really kind of this really means a lot mm-hmm. what he's just talking about with these words and um and so uh, you know i i think one of the joys of, 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 of working on Bill's shows has just always been like, like, you know, just as for an actor, you know, all you have to do is really say those words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you mm-hmm. don't have to, you know, sometimes as an actor, we have to figure out, well, how do I make this lyric work? work. Yeah. No, you know, yeah. whereas with Bill, Bill's a lot of times, all you have to do is just, Say the words, yeah, and it, it it's going to work. There's a deceptive simplicity to his lyrics. They th- exactly you know, at some point, yeah. there it can be very complex when you really yeah, stop no, to you're, think about you're, t- you're totally right. You know, it's it could be deceptive in its how, how in in very kind of often like often like again as I say oftentimes quirky ways yes. but very simple ways. Mm. He says things that really uh, hit home. It's great. I mean, you've been able to to sing so much of his music, and that's got to you, you. You're one of the people uh, that that probably can do it justice the best. So I, I'm glad to hear you say that. Now, let's do a little bit of a turn. We've talked a lot about you as a performer, and you've done so much. So we don't unfortunately have time to cover all. I have so many other questions about ragtime, about Legally Blonde. I mean, we could go yeah, on sure. for hours. Unfortunately, we're limited on time, but. One thing I did want to do is take a turn because while you're doing all this and as you develop as an actor and a a performer on Broadway and beyond, you also have this whole other career going on as a writer-composer. So to hear you talk about William Finn, clearly you understand what it takes to write uh, and compose and and, uh, put together a musical. You've done, that I know of, two musicals, male and three guys naked from the waist down, which they did when I was in grad school at Virginia Commonwealth University. Oh, and did I, they really? That's oh, funny. What yeah. a fun, fun show. So um, yeah. tell me a, a bit about your process as a writer composer and, and, and how do you, what do you, how do you develop what it is that you develop from either male or three guys or whatever you have, you feel like you want to bring up? Well, you know, quite honestly, I just, you know, as a writer, when I started writing, uh, I, I, I just, started writing because I was involved in, in a, a couple of shows that were at the time that were big flops mm. when I, when I was working on, when I started working on three guys naked and I basically just thought at the time, well, you know, I could write something this good. I mean, you know, I thought like, Oh my God. <laughs> and, 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 um, but just as a, as a, as a writer, you know, I've just always, all, all I do is, is, is just, I, I kind of, write what I think I would want to hear if I was sitting in a theater and I was just watching a show, you know, um, I, if, if, you know, I would sit at the piano and I would sing, I would write and I would sing melodies back and, 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 and work on, on music that way. And, and I would record them and listen. And, and if it was something that, that, I thought like, oh, if I was sitting in a theater, I would, I would like to hear this. I would be, I would enjoy listening to this. Uh, also again, I had been able, you know, I had been, you know, I obviously listened to a lot of terrific writers mm-hmm. in my life, 
Um, so I kind of had that to pull on as well. I had, I had worked with uh, some, I'd been in the room with some writers. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of knew their process. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just basically, you know, when I, when I got into writing some, some stuff, I, I just basically thought, well, I'll write what I would want to hear. <laughs> you know, no, absolutely. That's a really yeah, as an audience member, we're we're thankful that you take that yeah. approach because because not absolutely. everyone does. Uh, and so the ideas for three guys naked and and male came to you. Um, you started writing more shows because you were. I think this is fascinating because you were involved in some shows that didn't work out, and maybe by seeing how they didn't work out, you learned what might work instead. Right. That's so fascinating. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually we actually started right. We started writing Three Guys Naked actually at the Kennedy Center. Oh, you know, of all places, I was working on a show there that was a Broadway-bound musical, and uh, it actually ended up closing at the at the Opera House. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it didn't work. Uh, they tried desperately to make it work, and quite and and my collaborator Jerry Colker mm-hmm. was also in the show, and. Um, Jerry and I had done Pippin together uh, some years before, and we uh, just started writing this show, Three Guys Naked from the Waist Down. And, uh, and, and we, we literally started writing it backstage at the Opera House at the Kennedy Center while we were on breaks and stuff, thinking like, well, you know, sadly, this show, for whatever reason, is not working. Let's just write something ourselves. And we did. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And so these shows, you know, did relatively well, and I'm sure they, they pretty well, actually. And then they do well in, they must get produced a lot because I, I, I hear the titles over and over, um, whether they're done, you know, regionally or done in, in educational settings at colleges, universities. Um, you must, I, I don't know if you keep track of, of, of all of the productions, but it must be, it must be very gratifying. It must feel good to know that your work is out there and that young people are getting um, to see it and hear it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It is great. Yeah. And also, atop of all of this, you also direct. And now you're, you're, I don't know if this is something you've recently started, if you've been doing for a while, but um, you've also directed many, many productions, uh, musicals yeah. and plays, and um, particularly off-Broadway uh, production called Thrill Me, where you received a yes, drama yeah. guest nomination. I mean, how is it being on the other side of the creative table? Well, it's, it's, I, I really love directing. It's, it's been, it, it, and it was something, again, it was interesting, you know, having worked with some, you know, really great directors in my life, I kind of, again, learned the ropes from people, you know, just having worked, worked with great people like, like John Rando and, and, and Jim Lapine and Bob Fosse, et cetera. Um, but it's, uh, it's it's really great. I mean, I love. I, I mostly love going to universities. Oh. I love work. I, I I I've done a lot of work with students, mm-hmm. and um, I've really enjoyed uh, you know working with young people. You know who are who are you know most of whom obviously are just starting their careers, mm-hmm. and maybe helping them. You know, in the production that I direct, helping them you know, give them some, some ideas and some thoughts and some pointers that they can use, hopefully, you know, for the rest of their lives. I love doing that. Well, it's great that you're able to pass on, you know, what you've learned from Bob Fosse and James Lapine and, um, you know, all the people that you've, you, the, the great directors that you've had a chance to work with. It's great how you're applying everything that you've learned over your life and the different aspects of it into so many different things, whether it's writing writing a show or directing a show. I mean, this is great. And it allows you to have endless, you know, you can do that forever. That's what I always tell people, you know, when you're an actor and and you can do an actor thing forever too, but it's hard. You're not really in control of a lot of your life. Uh, You know, and some of the career decisions are made by, by, you know, for you by other people. But when you're directing, you have a little bit more (laughs) of of agency, you know, so it is a nice shift and and teaching and being with young people is is great. Um, So do you, we're about to wrap up here, but before we go, I just wanted to ask you, do you have any exciting 
online projects that you're where are you venturing into that world some people are going there that are in theater going on to Streamyard and zoom and and others are, are staying away and waiting or, or waiting to 2021 what are your what are you thinking um from what well <clears throat> well I, you know i i've been asked to you know I, i've done you know two or three things on zoom but mm-hmm. uh, you know and i've been asked asked to do some stuff mm-hmm. but i've not really uh done a lot you know, only because either what I've been asked to do, I'm not interested in doing, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I'm, I'm loving the fact that, that, that people are making that happen, right. that people are doing that because obviously I don't think, I, I don't think that, that live theater is going to be back for a while. I don't think I really don't. I think it's going to be easily another year before we see uh, a lot of live theater happening again. And, and I, I, I miss it. You know, I miss not, not doing it necessarily. Uh, I don't really miss being on stage. I just kind of miss being able to see things. And uh, so you get to see a little, you know, I get to see a little bit on zoom, but again, I, I, like I say, I've been asked to do a few things, but have chosen not to. Um, So, you know, yeah, it's it's a work it, of, you know yeah, we're on a it, pause, it is, it, so everyone is we're we're kind of on a pause to, right yeah, now, yeah, and yeah. and and I think that's and for me, just personally, that's that's okay. I'm right. not dealing with that. Well, yeah. you know, you've done plenty, Michael Rupert. <laughs> it's not that you can't do more, and there is much more for you to do, and you're obviously branching out into other other areas. But my God, you've done a lot, yeah. and you started when you were really young. So you know what? It's yeah. okay to take a pause, give yourself that time. So that's good. But listen, if people want to follow your work and follow you, are you one of those people that that do you use social media? Do you have an Instagram account? I always like to get people at the end if they're if people want to know more about what your next directing project might be or your next writing or hopefully or perhaps your next time on stage in the future when we're back i mean do how do people follow you or do you have follow uh, yeah absolutely <clears throat> well i am i am uh i am on instagram mm-hmm. and i am on facebook okay so people uh, can follow you um so they, they definitely can you know can pop in there and take a look and see what what I'm up to and and what other if there's other projects coming up or whatever you know and mm-hmm. and yeah absolutely well thank you so much Michael Rupert for being on American Theatre Artists Online it's been such a thrill talking to you you have such a, a wealth of information uh, and experience that, that from your years working in theater and and we could do a whole other hour with you because I, I, I want to dig deeper into Bob Fosse into <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but I'm so glad that you were able to share the, the time with us today thank you so much for doing this well thanks Stephen I appreciate it okay thank you yeah